T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I'm Ann Baldwin, and it's so great to have you along with us this morning. And I'm so excited to have in studio someone who's going to give us a bit of a public education reality check, maybe, is Dr. Tony Gasper, Superintendent of Schools uh, for the Consolidated School District of New Britain, otherwise known as New Britain Public Schools. So, Dr. Gasper, thanks for being here. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, um, Tell us a little bit about your background. You've been in education, public education, alliance districts. You've been around for a while. So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about where you came from. So um, I started my career as a Spanish teacher at Manchester High School. I I spent a total of 13 years in that school, Um, teacher, department head, administrator. Um, I really kind of looking back, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for a really wide variety of experiences that I've had because um, the superintendency requires a pretty wide sure. variety of, of uh, background. Kind of moving backwards from, from my current position, then uh, previously I was the superintendent of schools for Wolcott for seven years. Very thankful for that experience. Prior to that, I served as a deputy superintendent in Wyndham and assistant superintendent in Ansonia. As you mentioned, both alliance districts, just like um, just like New Britain is. Also, um, I always like to mention that I, I grew up in the, in the town of East Hartford, which has a lot of uh, demographic similarities to where I work in, in somewhat of a, of, a, of a joking way. I like to talk about how all of these towns are similar because they've got this strong industrial past that maybe isn't what it used to be. Right. All of these were really strong factory towns kind of centered around usually one factory that then moved on, but in what's nice to see is in, in ways a lot of the industries coming back to these same towns, but usually in a, in a much different way or many smaller uh, um, employers in high-tech manufacturing. So I feel really at home here in New Britain, and uh, it, I'm, I'm glad that the, the Board of Education gave me the opportunity. Well, and, you know, all that experience, and I can tell you, folks, he's not 100 years old. I mean, that sounds like you're still a young man. Well, welcome to New Britain Public Schools. But Very it, happy it, to be here. Thank yeah. you. And, you know, I got to tell you, firsthand I've seen, um, I work with a lot of public schools in the state, and I've had the pleasure of working with New Britain Public Schools, and recently that's brought me inside of the schools to see the kids, to see the programs, to see what's going on inside um, so many of your different programs, and how impressive. And isn't it unfortunate that so many schools in our state get a bad rap? And that's what's annoying me. You know, as someone who been in, has been in the media, I mean, I see it. Uh, something goes on over social media, and boom, the news media is on the ground. 
which that's their job, but sometimes things get uh, blown a bit out of proportion. So how challenging is it to be in the spotlight and to have people focusing more on the negative than the positive? So what we know is uh, taking charge of the positive message is our job. We, we know that it's just the nature of some of the professional media outlets that they will come when there's, when there's something uh, negative that's happened. So, so thankful to really have a, a great communications department, um, small but mighty. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've really uh, taken charge of that. I think if you look at our social media uh, feed or feeds, um, it, there's no shortage there of finding the great things that our, our kids and our teachers are doing. Even something that feels a little bit old school, but we find has a really nice impact is, is producing a newsletter. Now in, in, the, in the era of social media, newsletter feels a little bit old, but uh, thanks to really talented people on our staff, we produce one that has great content and also a great look. I think uh, our newsletter would look uh, great on a newsstand's uh, you know, shelf. It looks that professional. And so we kind of have this rule of we, we have to talk about a hundred or a thousand positive things because we know there will be one or two negative things that come. There always are. Right. Um, so we really try to, to talk about the truth, not advertising and, and, and saying things that uh, ad, well, acting like things that are, are good that aren't true. We you know, these are things that are really happening in our public schools, everything from pre-K through graduation, I think. There's a lot of things at, um, for the parents and the kids and the teachers to be proud of that maybe weren't talked about enough in the past. So we've really put an emphasis on getting our message out there. Uh, we know there'll be some negatives that come. They always do. But mm-hmm. hopefully people kind of see the balance when, when the negative stuff happens. Right. And, and I think part of the responsibility with all this, too, is, you know, parents. Parents don't. I find parents show up at a school board meeting when they're unhappy about something. Mm -hmm. Um, When is the last time that you as a parent or you as a grandparent or caregiver have walked into the halls of the school that your children attend? Um, I don't think people get involved enough. And you don't know what's there until you get involved. Mm -hmm. So to have that opportunity and, you know, tell your student, hey, you're working in the manufacturing academy, the med academy. You know, can I come and see it? Or can I get to know the teachers? That's also part of our responsibility as parents. And I think the more parent involvement that you have, this is my personal opinion, but I've experienced this, the more successful that your students and your kids are going to be. That's absolutely true. And I think all of our schools have a, a really wide variety of um, opportunities for parents to come and visit uh, at all times of day, mostly after school when the parents are available. Um, I get invited to lots of them. Unfortunately, my schedule doesn't let me attend each and every one. But again, uh, um, everything from, hey, let's celebrate physical fitness and physical activity to let's go and see the manufacturing academies. Um, it's a really, um, again, broad spectrum of ways that our schools do try to get the parents involved. Um, and as you say, sometimes it's those same small number of parents over and over again, but our, our schools do continually try to reach out and advertise and welcome. And again, um, through our communications department, we, we try to get those invitations out in a variety of ways. Well, and people are busy, right? So that's the reason for communication. You can never communicate enough, you know, and people go different places to get their information. So you got to hit them from all different angles. But, you know, recently I was at DiLoretto in your dual language program. And, you know, there were these little kids, a full classroom. And 
all inclusive. Everything was, math was in Spanish. Everything was in Spanish. And I was talking to these two little kids that are English-speaking students, Mm -hmm. little kids. And they speak English perfectly, and they speak Spanish perfectly at that little age. You know, it's the dual language immersion program. Right. And what a great concept. Yeah. Because you've got to get them at that age, right? Long history of that program here, real point of pride. It it was here uh, some time ago and then kind of went away, and we're bringing uh, bringing it back now. And uh, as a former Spanish teacher myself, it's certainly the, the ability to speak uh, a language other than English is, is uh, um, something that I value very highly. Whether you're coming to us with Spanish and learning your English right. or coming to us with English and learning your Spanish, we know it's a job skill that these kids are starting in kindergarten and first grade. Yes. That, um, you know, as a Spanish teacher myself uh, in the past, I, I would say to students, Look, I don't want you to be crazy like me and be a Spanish teacher, but I, I want you to be the Spanish-speaking soldier or the Spanish-speaking injur- insurance adjuster or the Spanish-speaking engineer um, because that's that's a leg up. That's an advantage Absolutely. In, in our job market. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're bringing back this program called Dos en Uno, uh, Two in One, um, is going to lead those kids, whether they're coming to us, which whichever is their first language uh, with which they're coming to us, it's going to pose a really big advantage. And again, it's another perhaps hidden gem that we haven't yet talked about enough that is uh, not found in every single urban school uh, district in the state. And it's something, uh, again, it's another point of pride for us that we want to do a better job of letting people know about. Right. And I know there's a teacher shortage, right? It's so hard to find staff. And when I was talking to the teacher in the dual language program, she came here from Puerto Rico and, you know, was a little bit you know, intimidated because English is her second language, but what a beautiful job she is doing Mm. and how much she appreciates the fact that she was given this opportunity to teach little kids. And that's also what we need, right? We need more passion with our educators. We need more people coming into school systems because we'll go back to the bad news stuff. If you believe everything you see on the news and that's all you see, why would anybody sign up to be a teacher or a para or anything that has to do with, with public education? But it's not that way. It was just, mm. I'm telling you, just experiencing it firsthand, it was a, it was a real life changer. It was. You, you, it's a, to the recruiting question, it's a wonderful profession. It's, uh, this is my 26th year in Connecticut public education. Um, I have a very, very firm belief that really kind of the future of our nation depends on our ability to yep. e- educate each and every kid. Mm-hmm. If we're going to compete with other nations in the global economy, we need to turn every single one of our kids into a virtuoso of some kind, into whether that's in the arts or the sciences or communications or healthcare. Um, we need people who are going to innovate and uh, you know drive our nation forward. So, the challenge for us then in public education is that's not just the kids who are coming to us with all the advantages that are quote unquote easier to educate. That means kids who are coming to us with uh, where their language, their first language is not English, where um, perhaps they're coming from a household where um, with one parent working multiple jobs just to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and serving those kids is really why I chose to come come to this school district because I, I feel um, that's the real work that needs to be done in, in public education right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's what's fulfilling to me about, about working here. You know, it is. It's, it's heartbreaking. 
Um, I was also in the cafeteria. I got to tell you, the school lunch that day didn't impress me. But, uh, you know, some things never change. But, um, but it is. You see these kids that are motivated. You see the kids that um, you can tell they're really in need. They're in need of a lot of resources and a lot of affection and a lot of attention. But, you know, that's also part of the job today. Mm. Um, it's not just a, educating kids. It's all these other social, emotional needs that you have to address and, and those are out there, but it's the teachers, right? It's the teachers, just like in the olden days. That hasn't changed. Those teachers that have an impact on your life and really change the trajectory of where you end up. Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, one of the nice things about being superintendent is I, I get to decide the priorities. There's mm. there's not, not much else I should be doing. There's okay. a, a saying that the superintendent should only do what only the superintendent can do. I love that. And... Uh, had a meeting last week about uh, our cafeteria offerings at the elementary level, and I think we're going to see in the near future, Whitson's is a great partner for us. They're our, our contractor. In the near future, I think we're going to see more choice and more fresh food, and they are totally on board with that. And really, it just took a request by me. So hmm. um, that's a nice thing about being a superintendent is you can, you know, in one conversation, you can affect the lunches that every kid's going to have in, in our elementary schools. But to your point about the, the power of a teacher is um, I, I think about we, we all have about, I think, the same amount of influence. My influence as a superintendent is really wide but not very deep. So I, I can make decisions that impact almost 10,000 kids but not super deep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always kind of reflect my wife's an educator as well in, in the urban environment. She works in Hartford. And I hear her stories when she comes home from her second grade classroom, and her influence is 24 kids wide, but really deep. And that's what I think when I walk into our classrooms, too, is, you know, first grade, second grade, there's magic happening there. Kids walk in and they can't tie their shoes, and 180 days later, they walk out and they can read. Um, So we've all got a role to play. Sometimes um, a lot of the emphasis, perhaps too much, is on my role, but... I think we talked earlier about recruiting and and the the labor shortage. It's still a wonderful profession to be in, despite all the challenges, despite the fact that we're called upon to be social workers and nutritionists and therapists from time to time. When you take a look at the kids that were under your charge and you look at them from day one to day 180 and you take time to forget about all the tough things that happened in between when you can kind of look back with uh, rose-colored glasses, so to say, on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the year that has just ended, it's pretty amazing what can be accomplished in a classroom. And, and that's whether it's a, an elementary school first grade classroom and you look at how much more the kids can read or you look at the kids in the Met Academy at, at New Britain High School where they came in not knowing anything about manufacturing and now they can manufacture a piece of steel to very specific tolerances to a thousandth of an inch, they can properly machine a piece of steel, which is now a useful skill that they can take to employers right here in New Britain. Right. And that's where your taxpayer dollars are going. Mm. You know, so many people out there, why are we paying all these taxes? I don't have kids in school or, you know, it, it shouldn't cost this much. What is your per, per pupil expenditure in New Britain today? I believe we're somewhere around the $17,000 per, per kid mark, which is um, fairly low on the list if you ranked every school district top to bottom. 
um, were uh, pretty far below the median uh, as well. $17,000 per student with how many students about in the district? 9,700, just under 10,000 kids. Do the math. Yeah. And it's not enough. So uh, I want to say on that, I, I've already had very uh, productive conversations with, with Mayor Stewart and uh, the chair of the, the Board of Finance and Taxation. Uh, two nights from, from this conversation on Thursday night, we're going to go before the Board of Finance and Taxation to present our budget. And uh, it's always been my practice to present very, very honest and transparent uh, budget narrative. But to that point, part of that presentation is always comparisons. So I don't compare us against, uh, I don't compare New Britain to a Simsbury or a Farmington. Uh, I'm comparing us to what we call DERG I, District Reference Group I. It's kind of an old designation, but those are the other urban districts in the state. Um, Wyndham, New London, Waterbury, et cetera. Um, and um, we, we don't compare very well to those either. But financially. Financially. Okay. Um, so I'm hopeful that by kind of showing all of this in a open and transparent, non-judgmental way, that we can make some inroads on, on those finances. Uh, there's a really important bill before the state legislature right now. It's Bill 5003, which really aims to fix the state funding methodology, which mm. is something called ECS, Educational Cost Share, which is how state funds are used to support each municipality in funding their schools. That's how the money flows from the state to the municipal to the school. That Bill 5003 is really important. It would make uh, really good improvements in kind of the logic of how, how that money is distributed. And also for us would mean a substantial amount more to help the municipality pay for local education. Right, because I believe it's been years since ECS funding has been increased. Correct. A long time. It's been flat. Looking at just hours, it's been flat since at least 2015-16, I believe. So yeah. something that people don't often take into account is we're an organization much like any private sector company, and, and we pay diesel for buses, electricity, uh, you know, benefits, benefits, labor. So Not to mention special education costs. Exactly. Can, right. So even without changes in offerings or changes in services to kids, we're impacted by inflation just like any other entity is. So um, it's it's incredibly difficult to keep up with um, flat budgets, not just here, but anywhere. A flat budget is in, in essence a, a decrease that, right. that we have to quote unquote find money for elsewhere. Now what's been helpful here in the past is some of our grants did get increases um, but instead of using those grants to invent new programs, we've been using them to offset the impact of inflation. Yeah, and that's not what they're intended for. I mean, I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong, but Correct. You know, you'd like to be able to do what they're intended for. And then when you get a grant, a grant doesn't last forever. So let's say you start a new program. How do you keep that program flowing when you don't have the dollars, right? Yeah, that's something that not a lot of people understand is a, a grant is not cash in hand. A right. grant, is, you apply for it and you say, this is how we intend on on using this money, mm -hmm. and you're held accountable for using it that way. Um, so we, again, um, I'm thankful for a good relationship with, with Mayor Stewart, and I think we're going to, to, to make some headway. Again, my job is to be as honest and transparent with the city government as I, as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thankful to the support of the Board of Education, who supported my budget recommendation. 
Um, but we have, you know, the city process for us begins, like I said, two nights from now. Thursday night we'll, we'll begin the, the city process. And I'm, I'm looking forward to their questions. It's a lot of taxpayer money. They should ask me hard questions. Mm-hmm. And I should be able to give honest answers to those questions. And, um, you know, from, from what I hear, perhaps that hasn't always been a, a productive relationship in the past. And, and I'm going to do what I can to improve it. Well, I think you already have. And uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing you in action, you know, since you started, which was, what, the end of last year or the beginning of this July. year? July. July 1 was my That's first right, day. That's right, July. So you, you've just done a great job, and, and you're really your heart is in it. You know, I just really think that that's what people should appreciate because the superintendent's got a big job. I mean, your day isn't, uh, what, 8 to 4. You don't have uh, holidays and summers off. It's a lot of work to the point that probably some people would say, why in the hell would you do something like this? But mm. But it's in your heart. If it's in your heart, that's what you do, right? So what are your goals and what do you want to see? You've done a lot in your short time here, but what do you want to see happen um, for New Britain schools moving forward? What's your fantasy goal here? Yeah, so so kind of philosophically, my 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 goal in my head, um, which will be many years of work, and I've said this in a few different ways, is um, why not us? There's there's stories of urban school districts throughout the nation who've made this change and they end up they end up in the magazines they end up in the professional journals i see no reason why that that can't be new britain and uh at at convocation i kind of put my vision on that i said you know i want four or five years from now because it'll take that long four or five years from now i want people flying here from other states saying holy cow new britain how did you do that and it's not one thing. There's no magic wand. It's taking a look at every single facet of our operation from the the visible stuff like curriculum and instruction and resources to the invisible stuff about like how do we design our budget and how do we sign our contracts and how do we put things out to bid and how do we use our, ener- our energy costs. It's it's having to work on every single little piece of the operation, not just the educational side, but the operational side. Um, I think if we dedicate ourselves to that over the long haul, um, we can get there. And, and we can be what I call a, a beacon for public urban education in the state. How can people help? Whether it's New Britain or whether it's any public school in Connecticut, what can people do? I had a great meeting uh, last night with some of our, our religious leaders in, in, in the city. And um, this has really kind of become a theme in my thinking over the last three or four weeks. I think it's, and you alluded to this earlier, Anne, I think it's important for people to realize, and, and it's, I think it's been done accidentally, I think it's been done inadvertently over the last three to four to five years, perhaps longer, people have started looking to schools to fix a lot of non-school problems. Um, you know, so right now we're held accountable for student attendance. There are lots of things we can do to help kids attend more. We've got family school liaisons. We've got family resource centers. We've got deans. We've got all kinds of staff, assistant principals, principals who make home visits, who make phone calls, who throw pizza parties to celebrate perfect attendance. Um, but I don't know at what point a decision was made that getting kids to school was the school's responsibility. Amen. <laughs> so can we help? Should we help? Yes. And I want to. And you do. And, and I want to. 
However, the state school accountability framework holds me accountable by policy, by state board policy. For attendance. I'm held accountable for attendance. So that's just one example. I think what I'm hopeful for here, and again, this conversation I had with our religious leaders in town and, and many others, um, what, what it's going to take here is all of the community's resources doing what we can. And, and we've got great partners like the YM and the YWCA and OIC and CMHA and Boys and Girls Club and HRA. The list goes on, which is, which is wonderful to have. Can we focus on a community-wide coordinated effort that gets kids ready to come to school, ready to attend physically, emotionally, um, health-wise, and attend so that my teachers can focus on teaching kids to read? Wouldn't that be nice? And th- now again, I want to be very clear. That's not giving up on, on no, the No, I understand. We, I know exactly what you're saying, and, we, I, and I, I don't think that will be misunderstood. Yeah. Because so much of the time in the classroom goes to other things. Yeah. And, and, so, and we want our kids to learn. So that should be the primary focus, in my opinion, for the teacher is to teach. Um, but, you know, and it, that should be your job as a superintendent to be the superintendent. But there are so many distractions. There are so many other variables. You're right. Um, at some point, we have to take responsibility. When mm. I say we, we as parents, we as a community, um, we can all do something to help a kid out, get them there on time, make sure they've had a breakfast, you know, just simple if, little things. If, if a student ha- needs social-emotional support, if they need to see a counselor or a social mm-hmm. worker, if there's an emergency or if they have a prescribed plan, what we call an IEP or a 504, I, I want them to have that at school and I want I want that to be a good service. But even before COVID, when we started seeing kids struggling with mental health, um, the schools leaned in and they said, we, we think we can help with yeah, that. Yeah. And because we're, we're, we're a profession of people who like helping kids, so yeah. of course. But I think that's not the whole answer. I think part of the answer is schools and and this is where i would help hold myself accountable is reaching out to the people in the community who can do an even better job of that so before or after school that child can get that social emotional support without my having to pull them from math class right now you make a great point well dr tony gasper you know i never say good luck i always say continued success and i really like where you're coming from and your vision moving forward for new britain public schools I've seen the difference, and I think we can all look forward to, like you said, you need to be on the front page of a big publication that says, how did you do that, Dr. Tony Gasper? But you don't do it alone. Um, And I know that you've really put your arms around everybody within your school community to make a difference. And so I really applaud you for that. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right. Well, and of course, we couldn't do this without you. We hope you learned something. And we hope you, uh, if you know anybody out there looking for a teaching job, there are openings. So feel free to uh, go on any school's website, really, and, and check it out and apply because we need educators and we also need community support. So I'm hoping that's a message you got from this conversation. So thanks again for tuning in to this edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.